you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. None of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. Hey, hey, hey. It's me. Yours truly, the one, the only, Richie X, host of Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. I am back, it's been a few weeks. I have a few thoughts and I just want to get right down to business because this is the first day of my vacation and I'm supposed to be resting, but um, I'm just processing a lot. And so I was like, why not do it on the podcast? Thank you all so much for listening, tuning in once again, Uh, especially those of you who come back over and over again. I hope that you know, this podcast continues to be a blessing to you. I hope that, uh, you know, as I continue to share my journey and grow, that, that you all will go along with me. Um, today might be a little different, but I think we'll just go ahead on. You know, um, this was this year has been my first official adult celebrating Christmas my way year. Um, as you all know, I grew up with a very, well, I grew up Muslim, but my family has always had a very interesting relationship dynamic to Christmas. Um, and I think we'll get into a little bit more of why that is. Um, but, um, you know, I, I I don't know where I should start. I feel like I should start with um, just how this year has been so far. Um, you know, I, I've been saying for the last three years that I was going to have the Christmas that I desired. And every year I put up the tree, there was never really anything under it. I never really you know, bought gifts like that or wrapped them. If I did buy gifts, I sent them by way of Amazon and um, sent them to the person. And that was kind of like it. I never really, um, like I wasn't really taking time to, to do the whole Christmas thing. And it was like, I bought my Christmas tree in um, December, 2019. And I set it up, and it was cool. Nothing was under it, except for, I guess, whatever I was taking to work. Um, 
to you know give to certain coworkers. Um, so it wasn't really like a lot of stuff under there. I didn't really know where to begin, how to begin, and so it went. You know, the next year, twenty twenty, was twenty twenty. I think I put the tree up again. There was nothing under it. There was no celebration. 2021 did the same thing no celebration just decoration and that was it and and I had no I still had no connection and I couldn't figure out what it was um but this year for me has been such a defining realistic powerful year for me it has been um a, the the year of enlightenment for me 2022 was the year of enlightenment for me and 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 I learned so much about myself I was diagnosed um with uh autism spectrum disorder um a dis, um a disorder that was uh, uh used to be called Asperger's syndrome um but now all the entire spectrum is uh, autism spectrum is under one um, term, which is autism spectrum disorder. It's either level one, level two, or level three, and I'm in level one. Um, but I, um, learned that, and I've been, you know, reading books, learning more about, you know, who I am and who I've always been. And, learning about the, the the type of help and accommodations that I needed and need going forward. Um, you know, because with this uh, disorder comes OCD and, you know, attributes that look like OCD and attributes that are, you know, anxiety and can cause depression, um, you know, really fucked up social relationships and dynamics. Um, uh, and so many more things that come out of being autistic and particularly being autistic and not knowing you're autistic for, uh, 34 plus years. Um, so I turned 35 in August, August 29th, and it was, it was, you know, the feeling that I have now is like, I'm here. I am fat, I am black, I am queer, I am non-binary, I am autistic, um, and I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, and I have answers, and I, and I understand myself so much better, and I can help other people understand me. Um... And it's like I have, like, missing pieces to the puzzle. So I'm grateful, right? And so this year has been, like, this year of enlightenment for me. me. And and, and one of the things that I have found myself doing is having the best Christmas of my life. And it was because I made it so. And it's going to go on for as long as I desire it to. I still have gifts that Santa gave me that I haven't opened yet. Um, and 
I wanted to make this experience a great one. Everybody around me has always participated in Christmas and loved Christmas and and thought about each other and thought about others and just really had this great relationship with the holiday and I haven't. Um, just didn't care, <laughs> essentially, you know. Um, but I think it's all about the experiences we have when we're younger um, that kind of may, you know, create um, or foster the way that we deal, foster the way that we deal with uh, these things, right? And so I, growing up, I remember, so somebody in school told me that uh, Santa Claus wasn't real, apparently. My mom, I came home crying and I was devastated. And my mother was like, I'm never lying to my children. They need to know the truth. She had her own trauma for that and her own reasoning behind that. I discovered that the, from this year that I would probably raise my children, if I were to have children, um, that I would probably raise them with the idea that everyone is Santa Claus. That there are many different Santa Claus. Um, and that we can all, you know, be good and kind and set up shop and make things and give things to people that we love. And, um, and, you know, I would probably do something like that. I would not like strip the idea, you know, I feel like, you know, we can all embrace, you know, several different things. Right. And, and it still just be, about about Christmas and so one of the, I came up with that when I was watching I think Miracle on 34th Street but I've just been watching movies I've been eating the popcorn I've been making the cocoa double chocolate <laughs> um I've been eating the cookies not really a lot of cookies but you know I, I have them and it's fun you know but the cocoa is the best part and watching movies and Relaxing. Relax, relate, release. Okay, that is... If you Google relax, relate, release, um, it, you'll see the video that I'm referring to, but it is a funny um, scene in a show from the 90s called A Different World. Um, and hopefully you'll see it and you'll laugh. Um, but so I've been like doing all the things, but yeah, when I was growing up, so someone did this and it, my mother was just like, I'm never telling any of my kids about Santa Claus ever. <laughs> like I said, she had her own trauma around why she didn't want to be lied to. And I think me coming home crying really like bothered her, right? Like really bothered her. Like it was triggering for her to, for, to watch me go through that type of, like, why did you lie to me kind of thing? Um, and so after that, I never really had like a, it wasn't a big deal. I remember one of my earlier Christmases um, um, when my sister was about one, one and a half, maybe two. And, um, 
And I remember we had a pretty big Christmas that year. I remember getting something like Play-Doh, probably some action figures. And I think she got like a little kitchen set or something like that. Something. And, um, you know, it was really cute. And and we decorated. There was a tree. There was all of that. So um, I remember, you know, after my mother left my father, and I remember there like not being a tree for many years. Like the thing was like, I'm not, my mother didn't want to celebrate Christmas. And by this time she was like fully full on Muslim. And, um, she just was like, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. And, um, you know, and, 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 and so what would happen was we would get these things that we needed and then she would lay them out on the couch in different sections. And then she um, met my stepdad, and then my little brother was born. And then my stepdad was heavy into the holiday, though. So ultimately, he ended up convincing her to do the tree thing for a while. But the tree thing, I don't know, for whatever reason, really bothered her. Um, It was this whole thing... Again, I think my mother's also on the spectrum and has, like, these things that she feels like she needs to hold on to because, you know, excuse me, people on the spectrum are, like, you know, it's not that deep, but... It can be that deep for somebody who's on the spectrum, right? Because the way our mind builds these extremes, that it has to be this way or else, and my world's going to fall apart. So she didn't really, we didn't have the tree a lot. We mostly stuck with um, uh, we mostly stuck with uh, the putting the gifts on the couch and um that's pretty much what I remember getting gifts. They weren't really wrapped unless they were from like a store that, that pre-wrapped it like a jewelry store or something. Um, but most of our stuff was just laid out. No wrapping, none of that. And, um, so we never had like, we never had like Christmas breakfast and, and Christmas Eve traditions and baking cookies. And I don't think we ever had that. And so I had no attachment to this day, it was another day where I just usually got a bunch of shit that I needed and maybe one or two things that I wanted. Um, but there was nothing special about it. And so I remember going into the ninth grade um, and in ninth grade, so I I came to high school with this like reputation, right? Of being this local singer who was known and, and people knew that I could sing and and I was supposed to go to a whole different school, but what happened was I was supposed to go to a, a expensive Catholic school, um, Notre Dame here in New Jersey. And so I ended up not going there and going to uh, my local high school. But because I was already known, like singing, I was kind of like a shoe-in for the choir, right? And so I ended up in the choir and the choir had a lot of, you know, Christian people, and I was known for singing, and I just, 
I was licensed to preach going into high school. So I was a preacher and a singer and I had all this fire and passion and attitude and and also I'm on the spectrum. So I'm an extreme Christian, hallelujah, you know, uh, running for Jesus and I'm not tired yet, holding up the bloodstained banner for my Lord, amen. I'm on the firing line. Come on, somebody. That's what they used to say back in the day. Get on the firing line, honey. Stay there. Because we are at war. Um, but I was very, you know, heavy into it. And a lot of the older seniors who were also Christian, you know, really pretty much, you know, ran the spiritual aspect of our gospel choir. Um, we traveled. We competed. We sang. That year we went to Canada my freshman year to compete in a music in the parks competition. So we had like a thing, you know, we, we, and so we used to lead prayer and all of that. And so we, um, we went to, no, so, so freshman year, Christmas, I had all these older friends who were seniors and juniors. And I bought them all Christmas gifts. It was like a group of maybe eight or nine. I bought everybody Christmas gifts. And like nobody bought me and they didn't think about me. And, um, you know, and I really believed like these people were like my friends. And, you know, slowly but surely I would find that they weren't. Um, And that some of them actually didn't even like me, but they were doing the Christian thing. Um, and there were multiple reasons why people probably didn't like me. Again, I was autistic, um, and I was, but they were assholes, <laughs> essentially, right? Because you don't know what's going on with people, and it's it's nice to be nice rather than to be mean to people for the sake of being mean. And um, some of them were really, really unkind to me, Um you know, for what for reasons because they thought I was queer and I was hiding it or they thought that I was living in sin on the low. They didn't like that I was so pious, you know, because again, I'm autistic, I'm on the extreme, I'm you know, everything I do, it's just line by line and precept upon precept and this is how it goes and that's what the Bible says. And I was judgmental and um often, um, abrupt, you know, very curt. Um, and so people didn't like that, you know, and I had a hard time, you know, controlling all of that because I was autistic. And, um, so I remember buying all them gifts and they didn't buy me anything. And I remember being like, dang, nobody thought about me. And that was like my first realization that, um, that nobody thought about me, right? <laughs> so it's like my first realization that these people are like not my friends. And because I never really had an attachment to the holiday in itself, you know, my siblings are, we're all five years apart. So that one of them is five years younger than me and the other is 10 years younger than me. So... There's a great distance. And so my mother used to buy them so many presents and I would only get like five things. They would get like 20 things a piece. And her thing was, well, their gifts are cheaper than you, yours. 
you like more, you want more expensive things. And so I can only get a few of those things. But, you know, because for a good portion of that time, my mother was, you know, she left my father. So she was single. Um, and what happens is I end up being this sort of pseudo stand in father on Christmas day. I'm up helping her wrap gifts. I'm up, you know, Christmas morning with them, you know, helping them take the toys out, helping them unwrap their gifts, putting the toys in the, the doll houses and all of these toys together, putting batteries in these toys, opening things. So it was, it was like, I didn't really have any attachment to this because most of the time I got a winter coat because I needed it. It wasn't the coat I wanted. I got shoes, boots because I needed them. Um, you know, I, you know, I might've gotten like jewelry one time, a couple times because I wanted jewelry. Um, and it was a thing to have like a charm and a long chain. And so like those things, but like, I, you know, I wasn't really, um, you know, it wasn't ever about me. And one of the things I had to process with, um, with my therapist, uh, earlier in the year was that it wasn't ever about me. Um, and that I was essentially instructed to, um, that things would not be about me, that the world had revolved around me. And now that I had a sibling and then siblings that I needed to make sacrifices so that they could be okay. And what that meant often was sacrificing my joy, sacrificing youthfulness and all of that, right? And so what, um, so on Christmas Day, I'm, I'm a pseudo parent. I'm standing there smiling because I done wrapped these gifts. I'm putting them together. I'm putting batteries in them. I'm putting a dollhouse together, building a fucking four foot dollhouse to um and putting all the pieces in it opening all the pieces putting them together you know so that these children who are not my children but are kind of my children because i am sacrificing at times to raise them essentially being a part of that process um and that has all that's had its you know repercussions as well but like, so I had no attachment to this day. And then every time I attempted to engage this day, it did not feel good to me. My freshman year, I bought those gifts. Nobody bought me a damn thing. Nothing, nothing at all. Not a notebook, not a pen, nothing, nothing. Um, so I didn't engage for the next few years. Well, senior year, I end up with these friends, this group of friends who were all Pentecostal. And and so we, it was four of us and we decided in our friend group that we was, we were going to do a secret Santa. And the, the gift limit was $20 and we went to the mall, dispersed, came back, and then we swapped gifts in the mall. 
And I remember I had a friend in that group who she loved uh, funny socks, like like socks with designs and words on them. She just loved them. And, um, and you know, Pentecostal girls wear them, them long skirts, but, you know, her skirts weren't all the way to the floor. So she would, you know, have these like funny socks on and they were always cute. So I bought her like 20 pairs of socks. Right. And then with the rest of my money that I had left over, I bought a book bag. Cause Old Navy finally had that book bag with the one strap that was so cool back in the day. Um, cause two strap book bags were considered corny or nerdy. So if you had that book bag with the one strap and you just snap it in front of your body, you, you were that girl. So I found it and I got that with the rest of my money and boom. So we all meet up. I give her the socks and she says, socks, socks. And everybody's looking like, what's you like socks, but you could have got me something better than this. You got yourself a book bag. You could have gave me the book bag. Why? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so after that, I was pretty much, I felt like, okay, well, this is weird for me and I'm never going to celebrate this holiday again. (laughs) Um, People had shown me their asses when it came to celebrating holidays. So I had no attachment to it already. So then this was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, I'll never buy anyone anything for anything ever again. The most I did for many years was treat somebody out to eat. Maybe buy a drink at a bar when I was old enough to drink. Other than that, if it wasn't something where we were both in the moment, both getting something out of it, I wasn't buying it. Um, Because it just didn't feel good to me. It's a wake-up call. Until the church church, black or otherwise, confronts, not combats, confronts this issue of human sexuality and homosexuality, which is not going away. Homosexuals and homosexuality is not going away. If every gay person in our church is left, or those who have an orientation or a preference or an inclination or fantasy, if everyone left, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a church. Hey everybody, it's me, Richie X. I'm here to talk to you about a brand new podcast I've started. It's called Hate It or Love It. It is a music podcast hosted by yours truly, Richie X. You all know my background, an ex-pastor, turned social commentator, a musician, a trained vocalist at heart, and a political scientist by trade. On this show, Hate It or Love It, we will explore the complete works of so many of our faves, 
albums, singles, and vocals, both classic and modern. We will learn, we'll laugh, we'll listen, we'll sing, we'll cry, we'll rap, and explore the brilliance of music greats like Quincy Jones, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, Ashford and Simpson, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Claude Kelly and Chuck Harmony, Chucky Thompson, Raphael Sadiq, Mariah Carey, and so many more. So definitely look for it everywhere you get your podcast. It's called Hate It or Love It Podcast with Richie X. And it is a weekly conversation about everything black music. Hate it or love it, the underdog's on top. And I'm gonna shine on me until my heart stops. Go ahead, me. I'm rap and I ain't going nowhere. So you can get to know me. And so, when um, I got to college, I ran into this girl from high school who was also Pentecostal. She always wore skirts. And so, her name was Brittany. And she, we're talking, and I was asking her what church she went to. And I noticed that, you know, and I was telling her that, you know, like I was... Pentecostal too, and like, and, and we were talking, so she gave me her church's website. Well, they had this old track on their website. If you all don't know what tracks are, tracks are like things you hand out to people so that they will consider your message, um, message of salvation, you know, or it may, might be about particular doctrinal things. And so this one in particular, it said the Christmas spirit is a false spirit. And it was by a man named Bishop S.C. Johnson who had passed on. But I wanted to read it. I was curious about it, right? Because it's like, what, huh? So this man named Bishop S.C. Johnson, I had to actually go get the track so I could, like, remember it. Um, but in particular, it just the, it's plashed across the front. It says, the Christmas spirit is a false spirit by Bishop S.C. Johnson, and this man passed away a long time ago, but he had a lot of churches and a lot of people that followed him and listened to him on the radio. He was one of the first Christian Pentecostal radio preachers. He had the largest black-owned church in the world at one point, um, and his church is at 22nd and Bainbridge in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It still exists. A lot of the doctrines have changed. But, um, because he is no longer here, but he left a lot of writings and this was one of the writings. And so the track starts, there is a devil inspired spirit, which grips the people around December 1st and lasts until the new year celebrations are ended. This is known as the Christmas or holiday spirit. One of the most outstanding characteristics of this season is giving. Some people who would not give a person money for a sandwich any other time of the year will reach in their pockets and pull out money saying, Merry Christmas. You'll, you see, it is the same devil who controls the people and the money and their money all through the year. So then during the Christmas season, he tells the people to give. This is outlandish. <laughs> At the time, again, you're talking to an apostolic person 
who is also autistic and like I'm reading this like yes it has to be the devil <laughs> like I was not even seeing the logic you know like any logic behind this and he's like God's people should never receive or give Christmas gifts and he goes on to say that like you know that like this fake giving like you won't give any other part of the year but you give and then he goes to talk about the devil inspired public displays um he quotes jeremiah 10 1 through 9 right which a lot of christians don't know this scripture exists but i'm not going to read it in full because it is it's one through nine it's a lot but essentially jeremiah says you know, learn not the way of the heathen. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with gold and silver, with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. Of course, this is a scripture taken out of context, but this is his reasoning for not de decorating a tree, you know, and it goes on to talk about, I guess, you know, pagan traditions surrounding decorating trees and using gold and silver and things in this, you know, festival, uh, and he says, didn't Jeremiah foresee the people of today in his prophetic mind? Of course, if you know the scripture in its context, absolutely not. Jeremiah was not thinking about Americans or anything of the sort, right? But, you know, but that's biblical literalism for you, right? And in fundamentalism, they're going to jump. They're going to take something from way back when, read it out of context and say, it says what it says. And, and then, you know, of course, you feel compelled to believe it because you read the Bible and you've been taught these things. And so you go, OK, well, if it says it, then that's it. And so that's how I felt because I already hated this damn holiday anyway. So it was just like, mm -mm. Um, then he says, the Bible does not tell the date, nor does it tell us to celebrate the birth of Christ. I've never considered Christmas to be about Christ. I know Kurt Franklin had that song, Jesus is the reason for the season. Honey, I've never considered this day at all to be anything to do with the birth of Christ. And this was before I knew the history of it. I know that the Catholic Church changed this this uh, holiday to to be this, right? You know, um, so that they could the people could celebrate and they could, you know... You know, and, and they, they thought they were reclaiming it, cleansing the holiday, if you will, by giving it this tradition of saying that Jesus was born on this day. And I don't even believe that there were three wise men who followed a star because people can't follow shooting stars. It's not how it works. Um, so I don't have any connection to any of that. But, you know, he's basically saying, you know, it's a lie. Jesus wasn't born then. Jesus wasn't born anywhere near December. Cool. All good. Right. Um, and then he goes, it start, where did it start? And he gives all this, you know, history about the pagan, um, sex and cults that, that celebrated December 25th and, um, you know, all of the traditions there. Um, I mean, and he, he just, he's, you know, he's giving it to the people. He, he's given all the history behind the holiday and of course, if you read it, if you go and read it, 
you will see and you will probably be like, oh, I see how somebody could read this. And then wanting to be sincere, be like, absolutely not. I'll never celebrate this holiday again. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, And so, you know, he basically tells you all the ways that the Catholic Church and the Roman Empire reclaimed the day and all of that. And then he says, stop lying to your children about Santa Claus. Santa Claus came from the German pagan good elf of the forest. He is associated with St. Nicholas, a Catholic bishop who dressed in a long robe and had a white beard. And he goes on and on and on and on again. And then he says the entire Christmas festival has derived from either the pagan or Catholic worship. Both are one and the same. It cannot be found anywhere in the Bible. And anywhere, anyone is a liar if he says it can be found. I defy any preacher anywhere in the world to prove by the scriptures that if it is right for God's church to celebrate Christmas, being persuaded to say, along with Jeremiah, learn not the way of the heathen, for the customs of the people are vain. Yeah, so he goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? So that's, but uh, actually the track ends there, but um it's just really interesting to me um, because I was obsessed, right, with this when I saw it and I was trying to send it to everybody. I know I think I sent it out to my church <laughs> on the church email list and everybody got mad. Like, why would you say what is this mess? And I did find it interesting. It pushed me further to the left at the time. I mean, further to the right, like more, I was definitely becoming more conservative on it because of the way everybody reacted. They reacted almost as if they were, um, I don't know, like as if I was like, like I cursed their mom by sending this thing about this. Now, this is a, a drastically problematic essay but it is also informative on like the history around the day um but a lot of the responses were like really like this is foolish what are you talking about this is not the devil you know and so i was just like oh my bad girl um and i just chose to not celebrate myself because it confirmed in me everything i needed to know once i ended up in the cult the cult um is sort of a derivative of this man, Bishop S.T. Johnson. So a lot of the doctrine was similar. They didn't celebrate holidays. I wasn't subject to uh, having to celebrate holidays. Boom. Well, I had a thought, right? Like, imagine being black in the 40s and 50s and, you know, as film and television is coming along and and having kids and, and being broke, right? And, and, and the husband is probably working with his hands. And, and you know, this is after the Depression and, 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 and the women are probably doing service work. And so, you know, it's like the pressure of having to participate in Christmas and... All of that and and get trees and all of that and you're living in like functioning poverty, of course you're like, no. You know what I mean? Of course when the idea, because there is a guilt that one feels 
I think, especially parents um, or partners sometimes when they can't give their spouses or family members the gifts that they wish they could and there's a guilt that sets in about feeling like you're not a good parent, like you're not a good partner, like you're not a good friend if you can't get people these really expensive gifts. And... You know, I wouldn't put it past it that, like, this is this idea of, like, poverty. I mean, not this idea, but, like, people living in poverty, struggling to try to celebrate. Because I've seen it. I've seen it before. People barely making it, talking about how they saved thousands of dollars throughout the year for Christmas. So that they could give their kids the, the Christmas they desire. And, you know, I thought it was foolish. And, but this is, you know, it's because a lot of people feel left out, ashamed, um, you know, uh, you know, sad about not getting these things. But one of the things that I found in this year for me, um, was the, um, the beauty of making myself feel special. Warm, cocoa, warm teas, beautiful soft throw blankets, really sweet, kind movies, lights, and decorations and garland and all of that, that that made me feel loved, that made me feel com- comforted, um, all of that, right? And so it was like I created the experience that I wanted to have. And me and my sister also have been creating and fostering um friendships i mean i'm sorry not friendships experiences of our own like holiday traditions because we didn't have it so we are trying to create that and maintain those traditions amongst each other um and it's been really cool to do that um so you know this year I've been doing everything I said I was going to do. I decorated the day after Thanksgiving. Actually, Thanksgiving night, I think. But yeah, I decorated that night. I, or the day after. I shopped for everybody I could think of. I participated in the uh, Secret Santa at work. I gave my coworkers cards and candy canes. And uh, like I said, I watched my movies. Um, I received gifts. I gave gifts to my family. Um, and... I just had the experience that I wanted to have this year and I embraced 
um, the full Christmas experience for the first time in my life without judgment. And, and it was because I created the holiday that I wanted. And I was going to do it even if my sister didn't have, you know, host Christmas. I was going to do it. I was going to do it anyway. I was going to do it for just me. I wasn't going to wait on anybody. I was going to grab my stuff. I was going to go shopping. I gave myself a bunch of presents, some that I needed, some that I wanted, some that I, and I forgot what I bought, so I don't know what's in the bag anymore. But um, I haven't opened them yet, and it is the day after Christmas. But I am excited about the experience I was able to create. And there was someone I was talking to who was kind of complaining about all of the, you know, the hoopla around the holiday. But I was like, I have had the best experience I've ever had in my life. And I, 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 because as someone who did not celebrate for so long and could care less about this holiday, the movies, I just thought it was weird. I thought it was stupid, but I think it had a lot to do with the experiences I had around it and the way I was never able to create traditions of my own. Um, or even have those traditions at all. Even with my mother, she's very detached from the holiday in itself. And she is, she doesn't desire to participate. She doesn't, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from or why that is. And sometimes I feel like it's the failed expectation, you know, of something and maybe her mother worked all the time because my mother used to go to work after we opened up presents and be at work for the rest of the day. Christmas, that's it. And when she would get off, we would go probably to my grandfather's house where he had probably cooked and they bought her stuff. You know, we'd do a little house hopping. But there was no sentimental sentimentality. There was no, there was none of that. There was no like a tradition there. And that was something that I've always longed for. Not always, but I realized that I do long for now, right? And my sister as well. And that's why we work together to create these moments. Um, But, yeah. So... You know, anybody out there that's like single or if you're not single, if you're if you're just like, I don't really care about this or if you're grieving, I feel like you should do what you want to do. On 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 that day. And so for you, it might not be trees and gifts and bells and whistles or Christmas movies. You might want to do a marathon of Ninja Turtle movies, (laughs) a marathon of all your favorite you know, Bruce Lee movies or whatever the case may be. But the thing is, you do have the privilege to create whatever tradition you want to. Um, and for me, it was, it was popcorn and hot cocoa and Christmas movies. Um, and I really found my own personal enjoyment in that and allowing myself to feel that freedom the freedom to do so. And I actually regret 
not doing this earlier. But life was different. I was in a completely different space, different time, and definitely a lot younger. But um, that's all I just wanted to talk about my Christmas experience. Um, I also saw the Queen of Christmas this year, Miss Mariah Carey, at Madison Square Garden. It was popping. It was everything you think it was. The special did air on CBS as well as MTV, and it is on the Paramount app. And yes, um, I was there, and it was amazing. A friend of mine took me. Um, I go a little bit more into detail of that experience on my other show that I do, which is called um, Hate It or Love It. Um, it's a podcast about everything black music. And so um, you can check that out on the um, All I Want for Christmas is Mimi at Madison Square Garden episode. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about that experience. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, you will have a problem with this shit. My name is Richie X, and I will see you in the new year. Happy holidays. Have a very happy new year. And I pray and I wish you no fear, just peace in this next rotation around the sun. Talk to you soon. Listen, because Mama said, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true, cause all I want for Christmas